0: the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men within whom there was no blemish but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies, and of the wine which he drank, his meat and his wine, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the unit gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. I like that. Now, God had brought Daniel into the favor and the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs, uh, yeah, and the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. But why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, uh, and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants. For ten days, and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you, and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them ten days. And at the end of ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh. Then all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies, thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine which they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Not just some now. Now at the end of the days when the king, I like this, had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and among them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. Here is verse 20. And in all matters... Of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them. He found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. Thank you, Lord, for this word. For what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, we receive it. Amen. I want to, we're starting a new series today, the first Sunday in August. Last month, we dealt with faith, and God really blessed us. Amen? Our faith was built, and I'm so grateful for Minister Gary Swindell, Jr., and Apostle Mike Taylor, who helped us to minister that word on faith. And I believe our faith has truly been built. Now that our faith is stronger, we move into a new series For the month of August and I thank God for Minister Pamela Hines who will work with me in this series and we will be here this month to encourage you that you should be taking a stand. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to take a stand. It's time to stand up for Jesus. Somebody say amen. But today's topic is better off without it. Better off without it. Somebody tap your neighbor and say, I'm better off without it. Hey, glory. Ah, I like that topic. God gave this to me like a month ago. Better off without it. Elder Johnson, I thank you, sir, because you gave me an intro. Every good sermon should have an intro. You, God used you to give me an intro or how you had us open the door, reach in, and throw away everything that we don't need. There some things that we thought we needed. But if we go ahead and get rid of it, we'll find out that we are better off without it. There are some people that we thought we needed. When they walked out of our lives, come on, talk to me, we realized that we were better off without them. It's amazing the things that the world offers us and tells us that we have to have. Magazines, radio, television, friends, family, acquaintances, all trying to convince us That our way is not enough. Always trying to get us to see that somehow we're missing out on something by serving God. Mostly our young people. Amen. Are under all kinds of pressure to compromise their faith. Everything we poured into them and sown into them. The world tells them, if you don't do what we're doing. You're missing out on life. In fact, one day a young lady stopped me and my wife and she invited me to, to, a, to a, 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 a certain type of event. I won't name the event, but she invited me to an event and she, she asked me, what do you do for fun? I said, I go to the church and I work and then I go home. And she said, you live like an old man. And, and, and it was because she liked to go places and do things. And I wanted to say to a, a lady, uh, just because I don't like to do what you don't do uh, doesn't mean that I'm not having a good time. Uh, this basically means that there's some stuff that, that, that you just, you, you ain't missing nothing. Somebody say Amen. And and, and the world is trying to entice us and, and draw us in with all kinds of foolishness in order to make us be half of a Christian, part of a Christian, a compromising Christian, a hypocritical Christian, so that when we do it, they can point their finger at us and say, I knew you weren't who you said you were. But the devil is a liar. In real life, we are the real thing. Somebody tap your neighbor and say, we're the real thing off up in here. Now, now, look at this story for just a minute. I have to give background. I did some research so that you'll understand the situation. The word Lord here is not used for Yahweh. It is used for Adonai, meaning owner, ruler, or sovereign. This name for God shows his authority. Now, we're not talking about the God that keeps covering it here. We're talking about the God who's in charge. Watch it now. So the reason that I want you to know his name is because the children of Israel, Judah specifically, and Jehoiakim are now under the control of the Babylonians. And the scripture shows us that Nebuchadnezzar did not conquer Judah, but God gave him Judah. He gave Nebuchadnezzar, Jehoiakim, and the people that he ruled. Watch this. This was not something that happened while God had his back turned. This was something that happened under the direction of God. Even though Nebuchadnezzar didn't even know it. It shows us how God can use people to accomplish his purposes and they can mean evil toward us, but God is using it to get us straight and they don't even know that they're being used by God to bless us. Somebody say, God is in control. In the midst of judgment, in the judgment of a sinful nation, Judah now, four boys were faithful to God. And God was faithful to them. They experienced the same judgment, the same captivity, but their experience was different. The reason that their experience was different is simply this. Favor releases, I mean faithfulness releases favor. Somebody say that with me. Faithfulness releases favor. Favor. You can go through the same thing that other people are going through, and when they describe their experience and you describe your experiences, the two can be different altogether. I remember when we were going through the recession, people around real life were making confessions that they were blessed. They were getting raises, promotions, starting businesses, and if you talk to somebody in the street. They would tell you that everything in their life was falling down around them. Even those of us who had the threat of losing our homes saw God miraculously make a way and save our houses. Somebody shout hallelujah. You see, believers can be in the world with the citizens of the world in the same situations of the world but have a totally different experience because our faithfulness releases the favor of God over our life. Somebody ought to be faithful here. Now, judgment had been pronounced by Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 36 and 37 up on the screen. The Lord will bring you and the king whom you set over you to a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known. And there you shall serve other gods, wood and stone. And you shall become an astonishment, a proverb, and a backward among all nations where the Lord will drive you. They're gonna be an astonishment, which means they were once so blessed. And the other nations are gonna look at them and say, How did these jokers go from here to here so fast? They're also gonna be a proverb, Elder Smith. Which means that nations are going to look at Judah and say, oh, we ain't going to be like that. (laughs) We're going to make sure that we don't ever fall into the pitfalls that Judah has fallen into. I believe that this judgment has come, listen to me clearly, so that God has the opportunity to show us here two things. This judgment could have taken place and the Bible never chronicled it. The scripture says in John that there are some things that Jesus did that are not written in the book. But the things that are written, they are written so that we might believe. So everything that happened in the life of the people was not chronicled in the scripture. But everything that was chronicled in the scripture was strategic so that those who would come behind them and read it would be able to get inspiration from it. So there's a reason why God had this written in the scripture, had Daniel write this out. And here it is right here. God wanted to show us that no matter what happens in the world, there's always a remnant. No matter what happens, no matter what we see out there, no matter what we read in the newspaper, no matter what we see on the news, no matter what the statistics say, there's always a remnant of God's people. And number two, and I believe that you'll be blessed by this, he can bless people in the worst of situations. God can bless you right smack dab in the middle of the worst of circumstances. It could be the worst thing you ever saw. It could be the worst thing you ever felt. It could be the worst thing you've ever experienced. And God can bless you while you're up in the middle of it. I come to tell somebody that God doesn't have to get you out to bless you. God can leave you right where you are and bless you right in the middle of what you're dealing with. Somebody who believed that, shout glory. We think that coming out is a blessing, but sometimes the biggest blessing happens on the inside of a thing. Yes, he wants to show us that there's always a remnant, Portia. Because the enemy would have us to believe that by looking at the landscape of life that that there are no believers, that there are no real Christians, that there are no true uh, believers in the Lord, that no one ascribes to holiness anymore, no one walks in righteousness anymore. And you find Christians even saying that same stuff because it looks bleak and it looks bad. But I come to tell you today, there's still a remnant. I wish you would look at yourself. Are you still walking in holiness? Are you still living in righteousness? Well, if you are the one, you You ain't the only one. Come on here, somebody. That's what God told Elijah. Get up off your knees and stop crying. You ain't the only one who served me. I got a whole bunch of people who hadn't bowed the knee to Baal. Stop being all puffed up in yourself. You ain't the only person who still trusts God. Somebody shout yes. There's a remnant. Look at your neighbor and whisper there's a remnant. There's a remnant. There's a remnant. There's a remnant. remnant." And then tell your neighbor why you're telling them about the remnant. Tell them God can still bless you. He wants to show us something. I can bless you while you're held captive. I can bless you in less than perfect situations. Those circumstances don't have to be all together for me to be good. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all hold on for just a minute. Can I talk about these boys for a minute? Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Can I talk about them four guys? Let me tell you about them. First of all, first thing I want to tell you is they were of royal or noble pedigree. They were royalty. Or they were rich. Or they were both. Now when kings would go and conquer a territory, they would always go and get the best of the things and the people. This is why they took some of the boys, not all of the boys. And they took some of the items and not all of the items. Watch this now. They were good-looking, they were smart, and they had leadership potential, mm-hmm. and they were young. Commentators say they were somewhere between 14 and 15. Now, I'm going to tell you about this now. The kings would go in and conquer a place, and they would take these young boys, ages 14, 15, because of two things, teachability and Potential. They wouldn't take the older people. Because we're too set in our ways. And what we believe, we believe. But they come after the young people because they can be manipulated. Every parent needs to hear in the spirit. Every parent needs to hear in the spirit. The king intended to cripple Judah by taking its future into his possession and then assimilating them to his culture. There is an enemy against the church of Jesus Christ that wants to take our young people captive and then get them into his possession. So they can assimilate them to, their, to that culture. Parents, hear me in the spirit. You'll understand what's going on around us. Watch this. He fed them his food. Gave them his wine. Taught them his language. Educated them in his schools. Gave them his religion. And gave, him, gave them his names. Now, it's one thing to take them away from home, but it's another thing to change everything they ever knew. Did somebody say he's stripping them? He's stripping them of every sense of their identity. Stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. Thank you, Holy Ghost. It was his intent to impact them with his culture they were most impressionable. Hear the the revelation of God in this. It was to deprogram them and then reprogram them. Everything they saw, everything they heard, and everything they ate, everything they touched, and everybody they were around was Babylonian. There was no Jewish culture. He alienated them from their culture so he could fill them with his. He's trying to erase who they were to make them into what he wants them to be. Watch it, watch it. Y'all, here's some key words for us, all right? It's called desensitization. Where you show somebody something so much, they get used to seeing it, and it becomes normal. Look at what the media is doing. Look at what the songs are doing. Look at what the reality shows are doing. They're trying to make chaos normal. That's why we got to stop watching some of this foolishness with people fighting and cussing one another. That is not the way we act. That is not the way we roll. But they're trying to desensitize us to it. That's why every time you turn the news on, the first thing they show us is that somebody shot somebody, somebody stabbed somebody. But what about the good kids? What about the one who just got a scholarship, an academic scholarship? What about the ones who just rose to the top of their class? I got to tell somebody, we ain't just acting crazy, we doing great things. But it's desensitization to get us to think that we're crazy to get us to think that our children are lost and that there's no more hope and that we need to give up. But the devil is a liar. We know what we put in them. I need some parents to shout it here. The devil is after our kids. He's not coming after us because we're too old. We had too many years of Jesus. We got too much Holy Ghost. I wish I had some Holy Ghost filled parents here. We got too much Bible in us. And we know. Right? So when they put all that stuff on TV. And they market all that stuff in the stores. And they take away colors to differentiate between male and female in the toy sections. It ain't us they're after. When they show us young people shooting one another in the street and fighting and rioting, it ain't us that they're after. It's our kids. And nothing talks about God anymore. Everything says there is no God. You're weak if you believe God. They take them to our colleges. You better check the curriculum at the colleges. You better investigate some of these professors that's teaching our kids and find out what they believe. Because if you think that all they want to do is educate them, you might be thinking wrong. They want to re-educate them. They got us thinking that Christianity is no longer a a, a power in the earth. And they're telling us, they're writing articles for us so we can read them. And so they, so the article say that the millennials are leaving the church. Where are my millennials at in this room? Well, what well if the millennials leaving leave the church? What are they doing in here? So they're trying to convince us that there's no hope. They're trying to convince us that we Christians ought to quit and that and that we're we're old school and that, and, and that we're traditional and, and that what we what we believe don't mean nothing and, and that and that God is the God of, of, of their fathers and their mothers, but no, He's our children's God too. Somebody said we got to take a stand. I read, I read a very, a very amazing uh, meditation piece and the man was talking about when the Christians began to be persecuted in his country. And he said they came after the Labor Party, but because he wasn't a part of the Labor Party, he didn't make a stand. They came after the Jews and because he wasn't a Jew, he didn't take a stand. And when they came after the Christians, there was nobody left to stand. See, a lot of times we step back and wait on somebody else to stand up. Because we want to avoid controversy. We want to be politically correct. Can I tell you something? They still don't like us. Even if we don't say nothing, they can't stand us Bible-believing Christians. Jesus said they hated me, they're going to hate you. I got to hurry up, I got to hurry up. They're trying to desensitize the children. Nebuchadnezzar was now. You know, if it ain't broke, if it worked then, it was an effective strategy. The reason that they were doing it this time, Smitty, is because it had worked before. So they knew it worked. So they didn't change up. They go conquer land, get the young men, 14, somewhere around there, take them back, deprogram them, reprogram them, and then put them into their system. It had worked time and time again. And Babylon wasn't no joke. They were going all over the world conquering. So when they got here, they said, we're going to do just what we've been doing. Oh, God, help us here. But, 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 but see, even though it was, it was an effective strategy, mother, there are always what you call anomalies. And An anomaly <laughs> is a deviation from the norm that cannot be explained. An anomaly is a deviation from the norm that cannot be explained. Which means you're different and nobody knows why. You have to tell them it's Jesus. Somebody look up to heaven to shout, I'm different. See, you looking for people to understand you but they can't wrap their mind around you because you are filled. Jesus, and they ain't going to understand you. I'm not supposed to be acting like this. Excuse me. Excuse me. Pardon me. But we're different. We are peculiar people. A holy nation. (laughs) Isn't that what it says? A royal priesthood. Offering up praises and sacrifices unto God. We just flat out different we talk different we act different we look at stuff different we walk different come on our relationships are different we don't fuss and cuss in the middle of the street but we hold hands and walk down the street we just different somebody say I'm just different I'm just different while you cry I'm shouting because I understand that if the Lord be for me he's more than the world against me while you frowning I'm smiling because I know that God is on my side and while you fighting back at somebody I got my arms folded because I know vengeance is mine saith the Lord I shall repay and as my son said to me the other day and I'm going to say it right now for him no weapon formed against thee shall prosper and every tone that rises up against you in judgment Michael Dillon you shall condemn somebody shout yes that's how we act they call us strange they call us crazy cause we believe in a God they can't see No, you didn't hear me I didn't say a God we can't see I say we believe in a God they can't see cause I can see him all around me I can see him in the house I live in I can see him in the car I drive I can see him in the job I got Shucks. I can see him in the change that he made in my life can anybody else see God Look at your neighbor and say, I can see God, I see God, I see God, I see God. Every time I don't cuss, I see God. Every time I think about how much weed I smoke and I steal in my right mind, I see God. Anybody else see God? Has there been a God sighting around here lately? Brother Brinson, you seen God. Have you seen him? Oh, look at your neighbor and ask him, have you seen God? Oh, goodness. I've seen him. I've seen him. I've seen him. I've seen, seen, seen him. i seen him. I saw him this morning. He touched me and woke me up. Somebody I've seen him. I've I seen him. I've I seen him. I've seen him. seen him make a way out of no way. I've I seen him. I've seen him provide money when I had no money. I've seen him. I've seen him heal my body when I was sick. I've seen him. Come on here. I've seen him provide for me when I had no job. I've seen him. I've seen him. I have. And what they don't understand is if they believe Elder Smith, they'll seem to. World, we're not against you. We love you. We just want you to see him. They say we're out of date. We're behind the times. Isn't that what they say, Sam? We old fashioned. We don't let our kids go where their kids go. Those are your kids. These are my kids. I'm not a steward over yours, but I'm a steward over mine. Now, I don't have to answer God nothing about yours, but I got the answer. About how I raised mine. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I came up in a house that if you lived up under that roof, you were going to church, whether you wanted to or not. Drunk, hung over, and high, you were gonna still sit. If you sat on the last pew, you were sitting in one. can't tell you how many times I was hung over on the last row and Pastor Williams would preach Jesus loves you and I'd be and if it wasn't for that little short lady named Doris Baker making me get up throwing cold water on me To make me get out of the bed, to sit on that last pew, I probably wouldn't be here. She didn't just pray for me, she made me go to church. God bless you, parents, who got them babies up and brought them to the house of God. God bless you, I say. Who refuse to give in to the culture and let the culture raise your kids? God bless you for having standards. God bless you for teaching your kids standards, morals, manners. Yes, sir, no, sir. Not, yeah, no. Thank you. You are not relics. You are relevant. You are what this world needs. It wasn't where I was gonna go, but I just had to say thank you. Cause every time I see one of them little boys out there in the street, people cross the street to get away from. But I walk past them and I speak to them. I say, Hey, how you doing? they say, hey, sir. Yeah, the jeans down to here and the hair nappy. But when I speak to them, they say, hey, sir. I thank God for that, mama. He might not look like what we want him to look like, but bless God, he acted. I need you parents to trust what you put in them. There's a revelation later in the sermon. I got to hurry up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Through these four boys, God planted his culture in the king's culture. What God did since he gave them to him, he, he knew those four were a part of it. And he knew who they were. So he took and gave them the Nebuchadnezzar. So he could put them in the culture with the culture in them. He knew that the exterior culture wouldn't affect the interior culture, but that the interior culture would affect the exterior culture. If you ever wonder why you're where you are, and there don't seem to be any godly people there with you, you are a plant. God trusted you enough to put you in a room full of heathens. Oh, it makes sense now, don't it? When you want to pray, don't nobody else want to pray? It makes sense now, don't it? Somebody say, I am a plant. (laughs) They were surrounded by Babylonian culture, yet they maintained their standard. They turned down the best advantages the culture offered in order to remain faithful to God. This was the best the culture had. The king's meat, the king's wine, that's the best they had. And they say, no, no thank you. We'll take vegetables and water. You turning down steak, flounder, oysters and scallops, shrimp etouffee, all of that, Riesling. Riesling. Don't act like y'all don't know what a Riesling is. Y'all, I don't know. What's a Riesling? Chardonnay. Zinfandel. Oh, y'all know blushes and whites and reds. Oh, Lord. They turn all that down for vegetables and water. That's enough, mother. Four teenagers who refused, even when those around them indulged. My question is, how did they get to be so strong, so young? 14, 15 years old and able to turn all that down. Able to take a stand in the midst of all that pressure. 14, 15. Some of us 30, 40 and still talking about peer pressure. Sam, I'm not lying, am I? Am I lying, Sam? 34 years old. I just gave in to the pressure. Pastor, everybody else was doing it. Too old for that. Don't nobody get mad at me, please. If you're mad, I still love you, though. Come hug me after church. They overcame peer pressure. Words like, everybody's doing it. Everybody's wearing it. Everybody's saying it. Everybody's listening to it. Everybody's going there. In the words of my grandmama, you ain't everybody. (laughs) Not only did they overcome peer pressure, they overcame the pressure of the king. And they made their stand. Oh, God help us. But what we can't miss is that everything started with one man named Daniel. Daniel was the one who purposed not to defile himself with the king's. The king's wine. And then the other three boys saw Daniel's strength and they stood with him. My question is what if you are the one it starts with? While we're waiting on somebody to stand, maybe you're the one God's called. Maybe everybody's waiting on you. Help us, Holy Spirit. What if you are the agent of change that God has planted in the culture? What if you are called to be the leader in your circle, on your job, in your family, and in your community? Commentators say that the food and the wine was either food that uh, they could not eat because it was prepared improperly. Uh, You know, the blood was still in it. They didn't eat stuff like that. Some some say it could have been horse meat. They didn't eat that. Other reasons the commentators say they might not have eaten it, they might have refused it because maybe it was offered to idols first. They could not eat that. I love this. This is good stuff. (sighs) But whatever it was, the bottom line was, the food didn't align itself with their culture. We don't have to give people a lot of reasons for why we don't do stuff. See, when we do that, when we do that, we're trying to placate people. We're trying to make them comfortable with our Christianity. Well, I don't do that because I don't do that because of this. It does not align with my culture. It does not align with my belief system. And because of that, I can't get down with that. Plain and simple. But here's what I like about them. Johnson, they did it brilliantly. They didn't go around and make uh, poster boards. That's not how they did it. They didn't put their hand on their hip and roll their neck. They didn't cuss nobody. They didn't rebuke nobody. They didn't get no oil. And Jesus, they didn't do They did it with tact and professionalism. And they simply asked. They didn't say, I ain't eating that. They said, excuse me, sir. Could you please change our diet? Sometimes force is not the way to get it done. Can I say this? You can make a stand and not be loud. You can take a stand and not be offensive. People might get offended, but that didn't mean you were offensive. Don't get me wrong now. When you make a stand, Ethel, some people might be offended, but it didn't mean you were offensive. That's their business. Anyway. Well, it is. They had respect. They asked, please, sir, look. We can't eat that. So they said, so can we have vegetables and water instead? And then when the first guy told them, Well, I don't know, man, because the king will cut my head off if y'all look worse than everybody else. So they said, okay, sir, I see you ain't the one to talk to. So they went to another guy. My daddy taught me how to do that. My daddy said, if one person don't have the answer to you, go to somebody else who does. So they went to another guy and said, look, cuz, we can't eat that. Can you give us something else and just give it to us for 10 days? And I tell you what, at the end of 10 days, if we look worse than everybody else, we'll eat your stuff. But I don't want us to think, I don't want us to miss the power of this moment, okay? So we're closing with this here. This was not easy for them to do. To refuse the king's food could be seen as an insult and an act of disobedience which could get them killed. But they took the stand anyway. They could have died for this but they took the stand. There was pressure from their contemporaries. Their friends. Man, you're going to make it hard on everybody by not eating that stuff. Man, go ahead and eat it. They were ruining the opportunity for advancement, possibly. This was a chance for them to work for the king. And they were turning down promotion. If they lost a the job, they just lost a job. But I ain't going to take the job if I got to do something to compromise. If I got to switch out on Jesus to get a raise, I'm just gonna say it's honest truth. If if I can't preach the truth, I just can't do it. I'm just saying. If we got to compromise to get ahead, guess what? That opportunity wasn't God. I gotta hurry. Come on, there. Uh where am I? Oh yeah. The food probably look and smell good. Can you imagine you sitting there with broccoli and cauliflower? Me, Elder Smith, and Apostle. We got and and J Elder Johnson. I'm gonna put you in there with us, Elder. I ain't gonna make you eat the meat. You gonna eat with us. We got cauliflower and and and, and peas and and broccoli and beets and and carrots and this dude right next to us fried chicken and macaroni and that thing's smelling too. See the pressure? See the pressure? See we thinking that they that it was easy for them, and see what the reason that we won't stand. Because we make their stand too easy. And then our stand becomes hard. I'm trying to get us to see theirs was hard too. But they did it. They were captives and could have been fighting the spirit of bitterness. I'm going to stand for God and he let these people take me. See, nobody in here ever got mad with God, except for the reverend here, because he confessed it in front of everybody. So I can say, you too, Pam, got mad with God and say, what am I going to live right for? I'm a slave. He let these people capture me. I wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't. But they fought all that bitterness off. And they stood for God, they said, and we bet off without it. everything you trying to offer us we're trying to tell you, we bet off without this. so after ten days, he takes these four men boys and puts them next to everybody else, and he starts looking at them and says, "Boy." maybe you an anomaly oh it's on him too and look at rev it ain't going to be on rev ain't no way oh that thing on him Hey, that thing on him too okay don't y'all bring them no more of the king's meat so for a whole three years They ate vegetables and drank water because they were better off. And at the end of three years, when the king called for them, even the king was like, what y'all been giving these for? They look way better than everybody else, and they're smarter. Listen to this. The anointing of God, the grace of God was so heavy on them, Patty. They were smarter than the people the king already had working for them. Can you, do you hear me? They were smarter than the people already on the king's payroll. All because they took You think you're missing out on something? The only way you'll be missing out is if you don't stand. The only way you'll miss out is if you compromise. Take a stand. Opportunities are always presented to us to compromise. Every day. Every day, there's an opportunity for us to just back off for Jesus a little bit. He won't mind minds. Young people, parents, remember, the enemy wants them young because that's when they're most easily influenced. And the pull of the culture seems so strong, but it's trying to reprogram our kids. Here's here's what I like about it, vegetables. It is that which is grown after seed had been sown. They ate what came from seed. Get it? Just keep sowing seed. That thing will get so planted in them that they'll see the culture. And they'll say, no, I'll be better off. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for challenging us. We love you. We will make the stand. We will do it. We will not be afraid. We will not give in. We will stand for righteousness' sake. We will not compromise. We are yours. Faithfulness releases favor. Whenever we're faithful to you and to your word and to your way, you release favor in our lives. There's some things that we're going to give up for the sake of the kingdom. But help us to remember that if we give up one thing, you give us 10 to 20. It's better to be uh, in your court for one day than to spend an eternity in, in wickedness. Better is a little with the Lord than a lot with the wicked. We don't lose when we stand for you. It's been shown time and time again, even Moses. Moses gave up everything that Egypt had to offer so he could serve you. I want to thank you for examples like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stood in the face of amazing pressure to show us that we can do the same. For our young people, I pray, because they're the ones that are being assaulted. They're the ones that the enemy is after. I'm praying that they remember what they've been taught. That the seeds that have been planted in our children would sprout and grow and bring forth a hundredfold harvest. And that the next generation of the church will be them. they will be the next pastors and the next apostles and evangelists and, and elders and, and, and pastors' wives. That they will be the next church leaders. The church is not going anywhere. The church is not going anywhere. You said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we believe that. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on and give God glory in the house. Come on and give God glory in the house. Come on, everybody, give God glory in the house.